Our scripture passage today is from the Revelation of St. John, chapter 13, verses 11 to 18. Um, as we know, we're going through a series on Revelation, and last week we uh, read that first part of uh, chapter 13 that talked about the first beast that is supposed to come, and this is the second part of chapter 13 where it talks about this second beast that arises. Um, after we, uh, before we read this, rather, let us uh, pause for a moment in prayer. Gracious and Heavenly Father, we come to you and we come before your holy word, searching for instruction, searching for guidance, Lord, searching for solace for our spirits. And Father, though have you have given us this word to reveal your mysteries to us, we know we can understand nothing that you have instructed us in without the same spirit that instructed Scripture to instruct us now. And so, Father, we come before you with open minds and hearts and pray your spirit be breathed upon us, Lord. And as we read, we comprehend, we understand, and are enlightened by your word. Father, bless this holy reading of your holy word, and may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This is the Revelation of John, chapter 13, verses 11 to 18. Listen now to the word of the Lord. Then I saw another beast rising out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, and it spoke like a dragon. It exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence and makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast, whose mortal wound was healed. It performs great signs, even making fire come down from heaven to earth in front of people. And by the signs that it is allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it deceives those who dwell on earth, telling them to make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lived. And it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast, so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. And it call, also it causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slaved, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead, so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark, that is, the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 666. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I am one of those kinds of people that has a hard time falling asleep at night. Now, if you're like me, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I, and I think you can either fall asleep quickly or you are the kind of person that struggles to fall asleep at night. Now, my wife is the first type, right? She falls asleep as soon as her head hits the pillow and she is out like a light. In fact, if, if she struggles for about like, let's say 10 minutes to fall asleep, the next day, she'll tell you, I couldn't fall asleep at all last night. I was like just tossing and turning. I, it just, just was never going to end. 
Whereas I'm the type of person where if I fall asleep in 30 or 45 minutes, it's a good night. I've fallen asleep very quickly. But I have a hard time just, just shutting everything down and being able to fall asleep. And if you're like that, you've probably experienced what I often experience, and I, I call them night thoughts. And that is when you're sitting alone, you're sitting up in bed, it's at night, and your mind just starts, just starts turning and racing and just going like 100 miles an hour, which even makes it even harder to fall asleep. And, and it's been like this for my whole life. And I remember as a teenager once, I had a particularly disturbing night thought. And I was sitting there in my bed, the house was quiet, it was dark, I was just staring up at the ceiling, trying to go to sleep. And this awful thought came into my mind. What if I am the beast? And I'm talking about, you know, this, this antichrist that we read about in the Bible here. I mean, and I've had this thought, what if it's me? What if I'm the one that's destined to be the antichrist? I don't want to be the beast. I don't want to be the one that, that would deceive the world and, and to lead them into temptation and make people put a mark on. And then at the end of it, be tossed into the lake of fire and sulfur. I mean, that's just, that's not what I wanted for my life. And for the longest time, I was disturbed by this because there was no way I could know if I was the beast or not. I mean, I didn't want to be, but maybe it was going to be like Darth Vader and I was going to be seduced to the dark side sometime later in life. And, and, it, and it caused me a lot of just unnecessary anxiety. And I was actually saved by my own mediocrity. Let me explain to you what I mean. I realized one day that I just didn't have the talent to be the beast. Right? I did not have that, that, that charisma or whatever it takes to get people to follow you. Right? I mean, I can't even get my dog to follow me. I certainly can't get the whole world to follow me. I mean, I just didn't have it in me. And that's okay. I'm okay with that. You know, it's one of the times it's okay to not be good at something. But as I passed from that unreasonable fear, I moved to what I guess you could call a more reasonable fear. And that was worrying about if I would one day end up following the beast. That if I was alive at this time that Revelation describes, where this Antichrist comes over to the world, what if I got deceived? I mean, I don't want to follow the beast, just like I didn't want to be the beast. But what again, if I'm deceived, what if I didn't recognize him? What if, or... I happened to get the number by mistake. I got the mark, and I didn't know it was the mark of the beast. You know, of all the questions people have about Revelation, probably the one that burns in most people's minds is who is the beast? I mean, who is this Antichrist figure that's going to take over the world and, and persecute believers, says, for three and a half years? Now, if you've, read, if you've read Revelation, you've thought about who the beast is. I mean, let's be honest. You've, you've thought about it. You've probably had a few theories in your head about who it was or who it is or who it, you know, is going to be one day. And we've had a lot of good historical candidates for the beast. We have Nero, Emperor Nero, persecuted Christians, was a great candidate for the beast. Napoleon was a figure that a lot of people thought might be the Antichrist. Um, more recently, I think Adolf Hitler might be the best candidate that we've had historically. I mean, if anybody fulfilled the criteria for being the Antichrist, it was Adolf Hitler. I've even heard some theories about some present candidates 
for the Antichrist. I've heard people talk about America's military-industrial complex as being the beast. I've heard of United Nations as being the beast, or the World Wide Web and our Internet of Things being the beast. I even heard a few people think Obama was the beast when he was the president. And more recently, some people have suggested that the COVID-19 vaccine is in fact the mark of the beast. And the argument for that is, in a lot of places, you cannot buy or sell or do business unless you have your proof of vaccination. Now, I want to come out and tell you right now, I have a very high degree of certainty that the COVID-19 vaccine is not the mark of the beast. A very high degree of certainty. Now, I hope it will be evident later as we talk about this why it is obvious that the vaccine is not the mark of the beast. Now, what I don't want us to do as we study Revelation is get obsessed with the Antichrist, is to focus too much on this figure. I don't like to focus too much on this figure. I like to focus on what God's doing. I don't want to focus on what the enemy is doing. I don't care about what Satan is doing. I want to focus on what the Lord is doing because that's what really matters. However, however, I'm going to make a bit of an exception today because I think we need to know enough that we can recognize we need to know enough that we could recognize this figure that when he arises so that we do not be deceived. I mean, chances are that this figure is going to be very obvious. That if you know just a little bit about Revelation, you're not going to be fooled. But then again, we're talking about the prince of lies. And everything that Satan does is deceitful. And there's going to be something very deceitful about this beast. For instance, he's not going to call himself the beast. He's not going to say, hey, I'm the first beast, and this is the second beast. You're not going to see a campaign poster that says, beast one, beast two. He's not going to do that. He's going to be a little bit more deceptive. So we need to understand enough that we are not fooled, that we are not caught lacking. Jesus told us when he talked about the end days, he says, stay awake. Always be watchful. So we have an obligation as disciples of Jesus Christ, to be watchful. But all we can do is do our best to be watchful, act in wisdom, and then trust in God for the rest. So what do we know about this, this figure, this, this beast? What we do know is that he is a servant of Satan. It says that, that the dragon in the Revelation, which we know is Satan, it says gives the beast all of his power. So we know that he is a servant or, or a creation. He's an abomination, really, of Satan. And he's given Satan's power. So there is a certain amount that he is, as we can call him, an incarnation of evil. And we're not just looking for one. We're looking for two beasts. And that's quite important. That's why people like Napoleon or Hitler quite did not qualify for this time because there was only one of them. We're also looking for somebody who is wounded in some way, a mortal wound that, uh, that he survives, and, uh, and people stand in awe of him because of that. But what we know about this beast is that he's going to wield a great deal of power, and it's going to be political, first of all, in nature. And he's going to have the authority over most, if not over all, the entire world. And that's the first thing we need to recognize. This power is going to be worldwide or almost completely worldwide. It's not local. Sometimes we get focused in on our localities. Okay, it doesn't matter if someone rules all of Europe or even rules all of America. There's a much, much bigger world than that. 
So we're talking, first of all, about a fairly worldwide power. And at first of all, this beast is going to wield political power. And it's going to be political power all over. It's going to demand a certain measure or a great deal of obedience from us. Now, for right now, we're, we're okay because political powers always demand obedience from us. And it doesn't matter even if those political powers are, are not godly powers. We're still required to obey these political powers. Uh, Paul, when he was writing in Romans, told the Christians at that time they have to obey the emperor. And the emperor at that time was pagan. The emperor was evil. The emperor was involved in all sorts of wicked things. Yet still, as the political power, we were obligated to obey. And so, when we have this political power comes, there is going to be a certain measure of obedience. Like we have obedience to all these political powers, at least to a certain point. Um, we're not obligated to obey political powers when they ask us to do something immoral or ask us in any way to violate our covenant with God. So having a political power or a strong political power is not enough to identify this Antichrist. Here is where the beast is different. This figure is going to be wielding a political power that demands obedience, but also demands worship. Okay, this is the major point, and this is the sticking point that will distinguish this figure from all other political figures that have come before. He will demand worship as well as obedience. See, this, this beast, this Antichrist figure, seeks to take the place of Christ. He wants to take the place of Jesus, and he wants to be the only authority we have in our life. Authority over your body as well as authority over your mind and your soul. So what I'm saying is if a leader rises in America that starts to take away a lot of our rights, if there's a president that you think is, is trampling upon the Constitution, or there's a Congress that's taking away too many of our rights, that doesn't mean they're the beast. It means they're a tyrant, but not the beast. Because the Antichrist is going to demand not only obedience, but also worship. And this worship is likely going to be a very obvious worship, just kind of like the worship we do today. We sing songs and sing songs about the beast and pray to the beast and give praise to the beast and bow down to the beast or maybe even make sacrifices to this antichrist figure. It could be a little more subtle, but it's kind of hard to worship something without knowing that you're worshiping. I mean, don't get me wrong, we have our idols People will idolize a favorite sports team or a brand name or a, or a pop icon. And that's the kind of adoration worship, but it's not the same as active worship. And this, this creature, this Antichrist, is going to want to stand in the place of Jesus. So he doesn't want just adoration worship. He's going to also expect an active worship. The sacrifices, the songs, the prayers. Now, what really is going to distinguish this Antichrist figure, not only uh, he's a political power that asks for obedience and also demands worship, but he's going to be a company that we read today by a second beast, a second figure. And that's what most of the other candidates have lacked. And this second beast, we're told, is going to be some sort of worship leader. He seems to be a high priest, uh, a leader of a cult that's dedicated to the beast. 
And so we see that this is openly religious. That whatever this regime is, is not going to hide the religious nature of it all. It's actually going to be an imitation of a church. And it's even possible that it could be a movement that grows out of a church that has fallen away. And they say that this second beast is able to perform miracles. He's going to bring idols to life and it's going to force people to bow down to these idols. So we have this cult leader who's able to perform miracles and force people to worship the beast. So this is what we got so far. He's a political leader, a political figure who demands worship and obedience. And he's accompanied by a cult that enforces worship of the beast. He's going to be a Christ-like figure that makes claims to salvation. And he makes claims to all of our devotion and all of our love. So that brings us to the mark. The mark of the beast, that notorious 666 that we find all throughout in, in popular culture, especially in horror movies. You know, if someone's got 666 on them in a horror movie, you know they're the bad guy and there's something awful about to happen. Now, the Bible tells us that this is the number of a man. It says it calls for a wisdom to calculate because for the number of the beast is a number of a man. And during this time that the, the, the beast is in power, people are going to be marked with this number of the beast. And it says they can't buy or sell. They can't participate in the economy at all unless they have the number. It's going to be either on the right hand or engraved on the forehead, this mark of the beast. Now what this mark is, is it's a perversion of God's seal of the saints. Um, in chapter 7 in Revelation, an angel goes out and it says that all of the saints are going to be sealed. And that's not a physical one, it's a spiritual one. So all of us as believers in Christ, everyone who believes in Jesus Christ has got a spiritual seal on them. And it's the seal of God. It's a seal to show that you belong to the Lord, that you belong to Christ, that you are His, and it offers us a certain amount of blessing and even protection at certain times. But what this, what this mark is, is this a direct distortion of God's seal. God has put the seal of righteousness and grace upon all of his people. And so the beast distorts it, but not by with a, a, a spiritual seal, but a, but a physical one. And the point of this, of this seal, of this mark of the beast, is that everyone who follows is demanded of them to show a mark of devotion, love, and loyalty. And that is the purpose of the mark of the beast, is for everyone to show their love, devotion, and loyalty to the beast. So people are going to be forced to do it if they don't want to. Well, most of the people are going to want to. They're going to go get that mark to show their loyalty and love to the beast. Those that aren't are going to try to be forced to make, get the mark. And those that will not get the mark are going to be persecuted. But the purpose of the mark has got a distinct purpose, is to prove your loyalty and to show your loyalty to the beast. That's why I have a high degree of certainty that the vaccine is not the mark of the beast. Because people don't get the vaccine to show their loyalty to something. At least not everybody. Maybe in California they do. I don't know. But the people I know don't get the vaccine to show their loyalty to our government or loyalty to the CDC. The reason why people get the vaccine is they don't want to get COVID. They don't want to get sick. And having COVID and my wife of having COVID, I can tell you, is probably a good idea. And it's not the mark of the beast. 
And for the same reason, I don't think the mark of the beast is going to be a computer chip that people put in your hand or your forehead to make economic transactions like you can scan. Okay, I, I don't think that's going to be the mark of the beast either because, again, the purpose of having a chip in your hand or head to do economic transactions is to make money easy. However, if they develop technology and they start putting chips in your hand or forehead, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not getting it. Even if I'm fairly certain that this is probably not the mark of the beast, I'm not taking the risk. And I don't think you should take the risk either. I wouldn't put anything on my wrist, on my, on my hand, or my forehead, unless it's something very holy like a cross or something. I'm not putting any mark, and I'm not letting put, put a chip in me. The point, though, is the mark of the beast is to show your loyalty, to show your devotion. People are going to have it, and they're going to be very proud of it. They're going to, hey, where's your mark? You got your mark? That's right, you got the mark. Everybody get the mark. Hey, how come you don't have the mark? Guys, he doesn't have the mark. He's not one of us. Now, they may actually use the, the number 666. It could be something else. The Bible says it's a mystery. That to calculate this number calls for wisdom. Whatever that wisdom is, I don't have it. But I hope that it makes sense when it happens. Until then, we watch out for this mark of loyalty. So this is what we have. We're watching out for this Antichrist figure, a political figure or figures, could be more than one, with near worldwide authority. They will demand from us worship as well as obedience. They will be supported by a priesthood or cult that leads in public worship. They will perform miracles that demand worship, and they will force a mark of loyalty that the people of the earth must have if they will buy and sell and participate in the economy. Is that it? Oh, wait, there's one more. The beasts are going to have the power to make war with the saints and to conquer. And those who resist will be persecuted. Some will be thrown in prison and others will be killed. This, unfortunately, is the brave new world that we have coming to us one day. And the greater question we must answer is how are we to endure? This might be one of the darkest passages in the Bible, chapter 13. But in this chapter also gives us the way that we will endure. It says in chapter 13 that this Antichrist is only going to reign for three and a half years. Which means there's going to be a limit on the time of evil reigning. It's got an expiration date, a definite expiration date, and it's got authority to go no further than this. In this chapter, it also tells us how we're going to endure. Earlier in 13, it says this calls for the faith and endurance of the saints. And today it says it calls for wisdom. And that is how we're going to endure. Through, well, that's how we will persevere, through endurance, through faith, and through wisdom. The first part is wisdom. You've got to use your head. Okay, as Christians, we are called to think. You've got to think. And you've got to look at this world critically. And you have to look at what happens in this world critically and compare it to what we have learned from the gospel and from the truth of Jesus Christ. Okay, we can't just go along with the crowd. Christians don't do that. The saints of God don't. 
Yes, I know we're sheep, but we're God's sheep. We're not the goats of the world. Know which flock you belong to. Be wise, discern, think about what's going on. Okay, be deliberate with your life. You can't just go on autopilot. Jesus says you have to stay awake and you've got to watch. Okay, so first of all, we think and we watch. Then it calls for endurance. We have to be willing to endure, to suffer. If we're alive during this time, we will experience some bad times. And Jesus even said it will be the worst that the world has ever seen and ever will see. We have to be strong. We have to be willing to suffer for the sake of the gospel. Fortunately, we get all kinds of practice right now. Today, we get to learn how to endure under hardships. Today, we have to learn, we get to learn to suffer for doing what is right. But most of all, it's going to be your faith that brings you through. We have to believe in the promise of God more than the promise of the world. Even when the world is offering everything you desire, even when the world is threatening you with your life, when the world is performing miracles, has every other person in the world on their side, even when they're making you suffer, you have to watch your family and your loved ones suffer. You must trust in God above all these other things. And the time that we have to prepare for this is right now. We're not there yet. We're not in it yet, but Jesus said the time is going to come like a thief in the night. That nobody knows the day or the hour. Not the angels in heaven. Jesus said even the Son doesn't know. Only the Father knows when this time is coming. So we have the opportunity and the blessing to prepare today. Now is the time to grow in wisdom. To study. To learn. To gain discernment. Now is the time to build our strength and our perseverance. Now is the time to strengthen our faith. When the day of evil comes, it's too late. It's already upon us. We always will stand on tomorrow what we build today. You will stand tomorrow on what you build today. And that's true if you're talking about finances and it's true if you're talking about faith. Whatever you're going to stand on tomorrow is what you build and invest in today. We know the day of evil is coming. We must prepare today. And I want to end you with this thought. As evil and as powerful as this beast is, you have the power to overcome. You have it in you now. Okay, this Antichrist will be powerful and he'll be able to persecute you, but not to break you. He can imprison your body, but he cannot imprison your mind. He could even take your life, but he cannot take your soul. For your soul already belongs to Jesus Christ. And God has put a spirit upon you of wisdom, a spirit of endurance, and a spirit of faith. And this spirit that you have on you now already is greater than the spirit of the world, is greater than the power of Satan, is greater than the power of the beast, is greater than all the powers of this world combined. And that spirit is on you now. It's like a tree in early spring putting out buds 
which one day will be the flower and the fruit of the kingdom of God. You are that kingdom. You are that promise. And the same spirit that promised to give you the power to endure has also already given you the power to conquer. To God be all the glory forever and ever. Amen.